to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, where your host, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely, rather warm Austin, Texas. Julie, my dear, welcome to today's radio show. Yes, thank you. And today is the continuation of the 10 Biggest Lies Being Told to Real Estate Agents, so I look forward to that uh, discussion with you as well as letting them know what they're supposed to do about this. You know, it's interesting. I, I know you got the same, a lot of the same emails I did, but some of you guys were a little bit defensive about some of the things that we suggested might be lies that you're believing about the real estate industry on the previous show. I'll suggest if you have not listened to that first show, you go back and listen to our first five points. Guys, just a suggestion. If you find yourself resisting something, it's something maybe you hear on the radio show, something you just hear in life, don't just emotionally react to it. Don't just basically succumb to the resistance. Instead, ask yourself why you're so defensive. Ask yourself why you're resisting whatever it is that that thought is, and ask yourself why, what, what, at what cost does that resistance, um, you know, what does it affect have in your life? What are you paying because of the way you believe the way you believe? What, what opportunities are you letting go by because you believe the way you believe? You know, what are the set of values that you're you're basically agreeing to by believing what you believe? So. Our premise of a lot of the things we do with, uh, in our coaching uh, practice is getting you guys to, you know, basically financial health. And financial health is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. And, there's a, you know, it's not as easy to do as maybe a lot of people would like you to believe, but the reality of it is, is all, of it, all of you can do it. It just takes discipline. It takes having your head screwed on straight. And really what it takes more than anything is it takes you guys basically being honest with yourself about some of the things that you're doing or maybe some of the things you're attracted to do that are just straight-out lies. We had a guest on the radio recently, and she and I were talking about, uh, she called them shiny objects, I called them the easy button, all the things that are being sold to real estate agents at the conferences, at the retreats, at the summits, at the thises and the thats. They're all easy button things. You will not find a single person, aside from Julia and myself, that will tell you, that long-term, ever-increasing success comes from one thing, doing what you don't want to do, when you don't want to do it, at the highest level. And that means you're going to have to shed a lot of the lies that you've been told about what it takes to be successful. And those are the things that we're sharing with you on this radio show. So if you've not yet heard uh, day one, please go back and listen. Um, And those of you who sent us praise and thanking us for confirming that you thought this or that was not necessarily the path that you wanted to follow. In other words, you were agreeing that some of the things being told to agents were lies and the nice emails we got. We appreciate those as well. Um, so, Julie, did we, do you have any emails or anything that you want to read or do you just want to get back to our uh, I think we should get right five? back into it uh, only because I'm up to my eyeballs and uh, coaching calls and coaches and all kinds of lions, tigers, and bears on my. So <laughs> I'm ready to get back into it. Point number five. Well, this is, yes. this is a nice little break during the day, isn't it? It is. radio show actually it is so all right point number five i'll read it and we can we can uh, vamp on it a bit so point number five is very simple and you guys have heard us and again i know we've caught a lot of bullets for this point but still it's definitely definitely true and it's definitely definitely a lie that a lot of you are believing the lie is you must have a team to be considered successful 
That is such a common, frequent lie that it's not even funny. People like to brag about how many people they have. I mean, I was so we have. You guys know that all three of the guys from the Million Dollar Listing TV show selling, you know, New York, whatever it is, on Bravo. All three of those guys are our superstars. You know that, right? You know, uh, Frederick's interview actually was one of the top interviews listened, so much so we made it into a video. It's on YouTube, and people really love it. Over 100,000 views on YouTube, and I don't even know how many listens. Hundreds of thousands of listens in replay. So one of the things that happened on the show recently, I made a mental note of this so I could share it with you guys on the radio, was that uh, Frederick and Ryan were sort of having an out and about who was the number one in, uh, team in New York, which is kind of, you know, a big ego mess there. And they weren't talking about how many, you know, what the actual volume was or how many units they sold. They were just talking about the sizes of their teams. I mean, doesn't that sound like a couple kids on a, you know, school ground? And then, and then Ryan said, I have 40 people on my team, and you only have 10. And so somehow in his mind, that was the way you become successful. And you realize what he was doing is he was just trying to brag about how many people he supposedly had on his team. Have you guys considered the insanity of that? Just the idea that somehow a team and having lots of people on your team makes you successful, that tells me that he doesn't have a very clear definition yet, I'm sure he will, of basically what success is to him. And so for him, it's being able to brag that he has more people on his team than, say, for example, Frederick did. So kind of an interesting little paradox there that's right in alignment with our series of radio shows. So here's the truth about real estate, guys. The most successful... The most profitable folks in real estate don't have big teams. They sure as heck don't have 40 people working for them. Matter of fact, ironically enough, the number one agent, and he has been forever in New York City, has a very small team of what I understand three people. I've tried to get him on the radio before. And I love this guy because he doesn't even want to be on our radio show because he likes to keep his head down and just basically keep his mind focused on being of service to his customers. I respect that. If you go out to L.A., we've interviewed the top agents in L.A., agents that are selling hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate per year. Think about that. They're making millions and millions of dollars in personal commissions. The ones that make the most, have the most net profit and do the most units, they have maybe two or three assistants. They don't have teams. So, guys, here's the thing. I, there's nothing wrong with delegating. Of course, we're advocates of delegating. There's nothing wrong with having an assistant. But like most things that are associated with the ego, it gets out of control. It's like one glass of wine is good for you at night, and yet some people think that 10 will even be better. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's basically out of control. That's out of control behavior. That's taking what might be good from one glass and thinking that, well, somehow if I have 10 glasses, it's going to be just as good, and you guys all know what happens. It's bad for you. Your body rejects it. You're actually poisoning your body. Well, you're poisoning your financial health when a lot of people form these big teams, and they just do it for the sake of ego. You guys know that. And if you do have a big team, and right now you're you know, thinking about firing off a nasty email to me, I'll suggest to you that you do your own homework and do your own math, because here's how basically it breaks down. If you look across the country at all the teams, now there are some exceptions, but for the most part, the person running the team, the person taking the risk, the person dealing with all the really laborious things that are associated with running any kind of sales business, those guys, generally speaking, the rainmakers, as people like to call them, are making less than 20% per year. Think about that for a second. Less than 20%. So I'll put it in perspective for you. Let's say, for example, 
you make a million dollars per year in commissions and you have a team. You're the rainmaker. Your name's on the sign. You're the one paying the bills. You're the one buying the leads. You're the one basically dealing, you know, running the adult daycare, a.k.a. team. That's you. You're doing it. Congratulations, you have a team. Your net is, before taxes, around $180,000 to $200,000 a year. That's just every single thing you can read and every single thing you'll come across that's generally speaking what it is, right around 20%. You know, again, that could be a lot if you have a really good average sale price. But for the most part in the United States, where your average sale price is in the 200s, that means that that person is going to make, that rainmaker is going to make, like I said, right around $200,000 a year. Now, if you take, let's say even in the same office as this person with this team making a million a year. So the agent with a million a year, they walk around, they brag about the size of their team. They brag about their awards. They stand tall at the at banquets. They get the plaques. They get the honorable mentions. They have the billboards, and they have all the other you know, accolades that go with real estate success. And yet, sitting right down the hall from that same person with the team is a practitioner with maybe one assistant, maybe another part-time assistant, and they, they do a third or less. They only do maybe, say, 275 per year in total commissions. That's it. I mean, that's a lot. That's good money. Don't think I'm not saying that it isn't. It is good money. But compared to the one down the hall making a million, it's like 25%. And yet, here's the magic thing you guys got to understand. Their net is the same as the agent down the hall that's earning a million dollars. Their net is the same. Oh, but Tim, the agent down the hall, they are, they are, they've got you know, buyer's agents out running around with buyers. They've got you know, an agent doing this, an agent doing that. And so they don't have to work with customers anymore. That's something mm-hmm. to brag about. That's a good thing. So what they've done is they've replaced the time that they were spending with customers, buyers and sellers, and now they've essentially replaced that time with having to manage people, having to deal with the drama, having to deal with the inefficiencies of running any kind of business, let alone a sales-focused business. So I strongly encourage you guys, before you just you know, sort of romantically walk down the path thinking that the team is going to get you to some sort of financial independent goal, you really seriously question it. Just use your own common sense. Not a single thing that I just told you um, will, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You guys, please think practically about this. If your original goal to get in real estate was to basically create financial independence, maybe you're better off being the agent down the hall doing about 275 you know, putting in their pocket about, you know, 200 per year, saving usually about, you know, 30, 40% if they're following our system. You just watch five years into, you know, if they, the team, if you start today and look, compare that agent to the team member or the guy running the team down the hall, you know, the guy with all the plaques and the words on the wall, the guy who basically walks around like he owns a place, maybe even does. Well, you compare how much wealth that person, that little, you know, keeps themselves agent has accumulated over time versus the big team member. I guarantee you the smaller single agent in most cases will have accumulated enough money if they have even half a cent. And it's because what happens, guys, when you have a team, when you have these agents who have lots of buyer agents, for example, they're addicted to buying buyer leads. The biggest group of people buying buyer leads are rainmakers that then basically give the buyer leads out to their buyer's agents. You guys know that. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, if you're a buyer's agent in one of those deals, that's not a bad deal. But what happens if the market market slows down? What happens if the leads uh, become more expensive? What happens? What happens? And then, and this happened during the Great Recession or whatever you want to call it. We call it a depression, 07, 08, 09. What happened to all those teams? What happened to all those people running the teams? Flat on their backs because 
They didn't fire fast enough. They kept on spending. They drove their profit to nothing. Where's the guy down the hall running a small little, you know, him and maybe his wife or him and his uh, assistant and a half? He's fine. Nothing bad happened. He didn't have a whole bunch of overhead. So you guys got to put this in perspective. Don't just be romanced by the idea of having a team. And for gosh sakes, don't think that just because a lot of people in this industry are so addicted to ego that you have to be as well. Your ego will make you broke every single time and twice on Sunday. Julie, next point. So true. Okay. Point number, let's see, six. You can only be successful when the market is, quote, booming and prices are increasing and people are buying and selling for fun. Everybody's fat and happy. Are you making money because of your skills or because of the market trends? Which one is more sustainable? So I wrote down, you, wa- you must work in your practice to become market condition proof. Skills are portable. Luck is not. So a super hot seller's market where you can just throw a dart at the board and get whatever price you feel like, that is not skill. That's not predictable. It's not sustainable. It's not portable. And it's certainly not market condition proof. You personally must work to be market condition proof, to be recession proof, depression proof, etc. So skills are portable, market conditions are not. One of these will make you more money and give you a lot more security than just deciding that, well, you know, I'll just make money when things are good and I'll try and save a little bit so when the market you know, gets a little bit harder and things are more competitive and you know, I'll just maybe check out for a few months, weeks, years. And we have people that come back uh, post-recession. We're still seeing some of that where they said, well, I had to take a few years off and you know, go get a real job because I couldn't sell when it wasn't a hot market. So now they're back getting their skills, which is great for our essentials uh, clients because, you know, you guys have more skill than you think. I always tell them you're not relearning everything. You just have to repolish things. So, again, of course you can make money during any kind of market. It's how you go about it that changes. So stop believing, this is one of our lies, lie number six, believing that you can only be successful when the market is booming and when prices are increasing, the fact of the matter is when things are a little bit more challenging, that's when you're valued the most. That's when sellers don't say things to you like, well, why would I pay you a full rate commission when I can stick a sign in the yard and get it sold by Saturday with multiple offers myself? I don't think that that's more fun, but some of you guys do. So point number seven, Tim. Well, you know, what you're drilling down on, Julie, in essence, is that the best education, the best investment you could ever make is your education. There's no two ways about it. Yes. Now, I'll go, I'll take it a step further. If you're getting an education and stuff that basically you can't actually find gainful employment of, well, I don't know how smart that is. I mean, if you're going to school, college, or getting any kind of education and thinking that, you know, some sort of crazy, you know, women's studies degree is going to get you a job, I mean, I don't really know what's going on there. I just don't, that, that doesn't re- register with me or whatever. I mean, there's so many really weird, arcane, liberal arts type degrees out there. Uh, But here's the thing. When you guys are going and you're getting education that's going to improve your ability to help people, it's going to put you in a position to make money, it's going to put you in a position to basically weather any storms in the economy, of which I promise you there's some coming, then that is education that's incredibly valuable. That's where your confidence comes from. You know, we have clients, and Julie touched on this, we have clients that absolutely kicked butt during their last Great Recession, made enough money, and they checked out for a while. They said, screw it. I'm going to take a few years off. 
them, they're volunteering and they're doing other work. What they're doing is they're waiting around for the wheels to come off the wagon again, and they're going to jump back in. Well, they didn't have enough versatility maybe in their skill set that they could work in a, a normal, you know, a normal, I guess we'll call it balanced market. But, you know, here, there it is. That was a decision that they could make. Can you make that decision when the economy gets bad? Are you going to be in the position that you could check out? Probably not, which means you need to get your education on. You need to get your skills up to speed. The only way you guys are really going to do that is accepting the fact that what, you, what it took for you to be successful in this past market is not what it's going to take to be successful in the new one. Again, intuitively, there's, I mean, there's no argument for that, right? So, guys, we've made it so simple for you. On your mobile device, which most of you are on, scroll down, fill out that box, name, email address, phone number. When you do, just by completing the box, we're going to give you those six free books. Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, Real Estate Treasure Map, 12-Month Lead Generation Plan. I mean, these are books that are for sale on Amazon, but we're just going to give them to you. Now, digital books, let's be clear, they're going to be emailed to you. So next thing that happens is someone from our office is going to call you and answer questions about the coaching program that all of you guys should be considering getting into our Essentials program. That program is a coaching program. You get one I'm sorry, you get four semi-private coaching calls per month. In addition to that, you get one private coaching call per month that you schedule around your schedule. You, call, you tell the coach when you want to have your private one-on-one -on -one call. And then you get everything that you could need for this market and for any market. This is the absolute backbone of your real estate business, your listing presentation, your buyer presentation, your, your scripts, how to do REOs, how to do BPOs, how to do short sales, how to do probate how to do every single thing, how to do digital marketing on Facebook, how to do you know, everything that you can think of that you need to have, no matter what your price range is, no matter what your market conditions are or what your market conditions will be. This is the versatility that we've built into this coaching program. And the best part is that every single one of you are already pre-approved to get into the program if you use our student approval program, and the payment is only $99 a month. Guys, this is a no-brainer. Stop thinking that buying some little done-for-you easy-button widget uh, is going to somehow get you guys to where you want to be. You already know that's not true. You wouldn't be listening to us on this radio every day because most times we sure as heck aren't telling you what you want to hear. We're telling you what you have to hear. So get your skills on. Do it quick. Point number eight, Julie. Okay, so actually point number seven, which is always a fun one to talk about. Okay, here it is. The lie oh, yeah. being told to you is that – you have to be a driver to be successful in real estate. You've got to be one of those type A personalities that just pounds people all the time. Remember, versatile agents make the most money. Whether you're a versatile driver or you're one of the other three personality styles, versatility is what makes you the money. It's not the personality style itself. Okay? So are all of your clients just like you? If that's the case, then you're only appealing to people just like you, which might just be a small percentage of the population that you could be helping. So no, it is not true that you must be a driver to be successful in real estate. And I would contend that some drivers, the unversatile ones, actually are harming themselves by their lack of versatility and actually will make less money and be less successful, not just drivers, but really anybody who, who lacks versatility, who lacks understanding of the personality styles and actually how to apply it. It's not a hard science, guys. Don't take it quite so seriously as some of you do. And Tim, you know what I'm talking well, about on this, right? Yeah, well, but not so we're assuming that everyone even knows what DISC is. We shouldn't make that assumption. Guys, listen, go to realestatecoachingradio.com, and we've done probably three or four shows on the DISC personality styles. It's worth studying, but please remember what Julie said. It's not real science. It's the very definition of soft science. 
And again, this is I'm meandering into an area that some people treat as an absolute religion. Oh my gosh, DISC is the way the world's all you know put together. Not true, folks. Here's a little eye opener for you. This is not good or bad. It's just a fact. The guy who created DISC also created the comic book character Wonder Woman. Okay, so it's, this is not some proven medical science. You know, essentially you could see it under a microscope. There's it no driver exists. gene that you have or don't have. Exactly. That's not real. Right. Okay. Yeah, but you go to a real estate conference, especially some of the you know more educational focus, and you do this DISC, and you ask what the personality styles in the audience is, and everybody says they're a driver. And they think that's somehow an attribute. Well, I'll give you one other little funny anecdote. There's been some collegiate studies on the DI, using DISC, and one of the ones I always like to cite is there's one that was done in a prison, and so they go to a prison and they give these people these DISC personality tests. And guess what the most common personality type is of people in prison? That's right, hmm. drivers. You know, <laughs> they're drivers. <laughs> you know, and I, I always make the joke, and I, I think it's funny. No, rarely do I get a laugh, but I still say it. You know, and it makes sense because a driver is direct. A driver is, you know, generally speaking, not very taking very uh, into consideration his audience. And that's the reason the most bank robbers will say something like, give me all your money. Whereas, like, if it was an amiable person, maybe they'd be a little bit less direct and try not to scare the person. And, you know, so there's a lot of fun you can have with it. But, guys, listen, don't take it too seriously. It's just sort of a nice-to-chew-on conversational type thing. It's not really real. And for God's sake, don't think that one, you know, it is a useful tool. That's all it is. But don't think that for, you know, do not allow yourself to be fooled into thinking that there's a sales personality or there's a personality that's better than one for the other. We've had presidents that are every single personality style. You can be, you know, you can be successful no matter what. It's not about your personality style. It's about all the other things that we teach you. It's all the other things that you guys have learned along the way. It's all the other things that you guys, you know, can observe in your, using your own minds from successful people to get them there. But the sort of unrelenting, sociopathic, traditional, typical, you know, atypical driver-type personality, right? That's not, guys, that's just, that's just sort of a myth. That's like you have to be passionate to be successful, you know. It's all in the same bucket yeah. of BS. Julie, next point? Well, yeah, and some people use it as an excuse to be obnoxious because, you know, they think they're supposed to be. It's costing you money. So, okay, point number eight. The myth or the lie is that branding is required. Well, my first question when an agent sort of lays that upon me as a coach or the coaches ask about it is, hmm, what's your branding budget? Okay, if you're financing your branding, you're making a mistake. Is branding required? Absolutely not. There are, it might shock some of you to know, that there are very successful agents out there that don't even have a website. They don't have a blog. They might not even be on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. Branding is not required. You don't have to have an image developed and a whole bunch of support material. Now, if you're a grizzled veteran and you have consistently saved over the years and you've got a big war chest saved up and that's something that turns you on, that might be okay for you. But is it required? Absolutely not. What is required? Skill. Skill is required. Branding is not. Fortunately, skill is less well, expensive. You don't actually need a budget for your skill. For the most part. In real estate, guys, we have a blessing called a sold sign. And if you really want to build a strong brand for yourself, have the skill set necessary to accomplish the goal on behalf of your clients. And then when those sold signs show up in people's yards with your name on it, there won't be a more stronger, stronger branding message to that community than that sold sign. And think how cool that is for a second, guys. 
you know, can you imagine if people were allowed to have, like, a sign for the local, you know, Thai restaurant in their yard, you know? Thai restaurant pays them 50 bucks to put the sign in the yard. No, zoning only allows in most communities for a for sale sign, and there you are. It's the best marketing ever. That's what a for sale sign actually is. And, guys, branding, branding really is a scam. It just is. Branding in itself is something that somebody who sells marketing and advertising wants you to believe in because you cannot track it. So you will not know if it works or not. Don't be fooled by that. Don't do things that you cannot. That's the cool thing about digital marketing and advertising. That's the reason, people, that's the reason Google, even Facebook, and all these other mediums are so really, truly effective for a, a marketer who knows what they're doing because they can actually track what worked. They can track if they got a click. They can track if that click actually engaged. They can track to see if that, you know, that person actually ended up buying or selling. They can track. You can't do that with branding. If you can't track it, don't do it. And if you're newer in the business, don't even think about anything like this. You've got to focus on your skills. You've got to get your skills on, guys. That's what this market's all about. Point number nine. Point number nine, Julie. Let's make sure we get through these points, and we only have one sure, more after this. Point n- no I'll worries. go through this one. Point number nine okay. is you only need one spoke to be successful. That's the other thing that is a big, huge lie that agents are being led to believe. And the spoke analogy that we came up with years ago is very simple. And by the way, Julie, I have seen the spoke analogy being used in other places, which is cool, because hmm. it is yeah. a great analogy. So, guys, a multiple spoke wheel has more strength. It has more integrity. Imagine you're riding your bicycle and you're going down the wheel, uh, road and your front wheel on your bike is one spoke. I mean, you know, I'm talking about the little kid spokes, the you know, little wiry spokes. That is not a strong wheel. Don't believe me? As soon as that front wheel hits even the smallest of pebbles in the road, that wheel is going to collapse. It has no integrity. Now, if you add a, a second spoke, a third spoke, let alone, you know, seven or eight or nine spokes, now that wheel is a lot stronger. Now that wheel can actually weather whatever, you know, obstacles might come in its path. That's how any strong business is. You guys are being lied to about the fact that, well, you only have to learn how to do over-the-phone prospecting or, you know, you only have to learn how to work your referral network or you really have to only learn how to do social networking or you really this, that, or the other. There is no one thing. Now, I will caution you, do not be like the fly going or the, uh, you know, the moth going from one bright light to the next. You know, it's focus. Follow one course until successful. And we suggest in our coaching programs which spokes you should build first. And once you have the spoke producing consistent results, then you go on to the next spoke. But what a lot of you guys will automatically do is your first spokes will be the ones that are passive, not active. In other words, you guys are going to be looking for that easy button. You know you're guilty of it. You're going to be looking for the thing that's going to automatically somehow magically make it so you don't actually have to do the real work in real estate, which is generating your own leads. That's what you think. That's what a lot of agents do. That's the reason so many agents fail out of this business within three years or less, because they never develop the skill set. Guys, get your skills on. Next point, Julie. <laughs> Good point. All right, number 10, part-time agents can't be successful. Well, I pose the question, why not? The less time you have, the more efficient you have to be. It cuts out all of the getting ready to get started to someday possibly feel like getting to work if the conditions are right. You don't have that luxury when you are a part-time agent. Your time has to be more efficient. Many part-time agents make more money than full-time agents. We're coaching a ton of them. And unlike other organizations, we're cool with that. I think it's awesome. It's fantastic that you're maintaining that base to take care of your family. Some of you have goals to replace that income. Some of you don't, and that's okay. There's nothing saying that you can't be successful unless you are, quote, full-time, whatever that even means. 
It's less about the time and more about the effort that you make at the highest level. So the question to ask yourself is, does your daily schedule actually reflect your goals? What's the most important thing if you only have two hours per day to work in real estate? Lead generation and lead follow-up, of course. So, yeah, of course you can be successful part-time. I tease my part-time agents that, hey, you know, a lot of them get more done in their very limited part-time schedules than many of their colleagues in the same office who claim that they're full-time, and yet the actual work spent, the productive work, the dollar productive work, is so different between those two agents. So, yeah, absolutely, you can and should be successful as a part-time agent. You actually have some advantages because you don't have the luxury of time to get ready to get started. Does that make sense, Tim? Back to you. It does. And, guys, listen, real estate is a blessing. It, you know, I, Julie and I, through, mostly through this podcast, receive emails from a lot of people who ask us that they should get into real estate. A lot of people saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm thinking I should get into real estate, should I quit my job? I have never, ever, ever in 20 years of coaching people tell them to quit their job. I never think you guys should quit your job, especially in a, an economy like this. If you have a good, stable job, you keep that thing. You don't quit that thing, and you add real estate on the side. Now, oh, my God, Tim, in real estate, part-time agents are the scourge. No, they're not. They're absolutely not. Matter of fact, and I know some of them listen, we have part-time agents that we coach, that we've coached for years. One of them in particular, I'm just going to say his first name, Paul. Okay, Paul, I know you're listening. Paul is earning part-time. 60,000, uh, I see, I think it was 60,000 this month and like 70,000 next month. He's part-time. Part-time agents are not the scourge. Uneducated, unskilled agents are the scourge. The nice thing about being part-time, if you're going to take it seriously, is you won't waste your time. You know that you're going to have to work your normal job and you're going to work real estate on the side and you're going to have so many hours set aside per week to work real estate. And if you have a, intensely, if you have a, a schedule that's focused on the things that will generate business and put you in a position of helping people, you're going to be more efficient than the agent who gives themselves full-time status of 40, 60, 80 hours a week. Whereas the reality of it is, is if they're lucky, they spend two or three hours a week, even though they're full-time doing the productive things that a part-time agent, when they're properly schooled, when they have the skill set, when they know what they're doing, when they're sticking to a schedule, they, those part-time agents are way more efficient. So, guys, listen, real estate is a blessing. Selling real estate, being in this industry is a blessing. This, we are, without a doubt, looking down in unquestionably some uncharted waters in the overall economy. And at the same time, we have an incredible real estate boom going on. I know that those two things in most people's minds don't balance. And here's the bottom, reason, bottom line reason why. Baby boomers and uh, their kids, gener uh, you know, millennials, there are so many of them, hundreds of millions of them, that no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens in interest rates, no matter what happens with all the other things that people worry about, people still will need to buy or sell real estate. If you go back to the 70s when Jimmy Carter was president, and then, you know, basically when Paul Volcker came in, you know, when Ronald Reagan came around, Paul Volcker was the head of the Federal Reserve, and interest rates went all the way up to like 23%. You know what? People still bought and sold real estate. Yes, they did. They still bought and sold real estate. And the same thing will happen now. So I'm not suggesting interest rates are going to go to some ridiculous rate. Frankly, I think they're going to actually go down. But what I am suggesting is that there can be an eroding economy at the same time there's continued demand. The demand will come from people doing natural buying and selling, buying a house because they need to get out of the apartment, buying a house or buying a different property because they're downsizing. Those things will happen no matter what. That's the beauty of real estate. 
It's now what will it take out the speculators? What will it take out? It'll take out the people that are not, you know, basically in it to buy a house to live in. It will change the nature of the clients you deal with. But guys, there still are going to be literally millions and millions of transactions that happen, even in the worst of economies. Have your heads clear about that. Don't be confused. You can't have both those things uh, at the same time. You can be successful no matter what direction the economy is going. You can be successful no matter who the president is. Who cares? You can be successful no matter, no matter, no matter. It doesn't matter. You can be successful. You just have to get your skills on. That is the bottom line. Listen to past radio shows, Real Estate Coaching Radio. If you guys ever need us for anything, email Julie directly at Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.